In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The political battles over Georgia's new abortion law rages on. There will be those who say that I am impassioned, some who might say I'm angry, I am enraged. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with the other host, Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. If you're just listening to us for the first time, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss an episode of Politically Georgia. Coming up later, we'll hear from our brand new reader mailbag audio version. But first, the battle over Georgia's anti-abortion law is intensifying. I'm here calling in from Alto, Georgia, where I just talked to Herschel Walker. Patricia, you're out in, I guess it's the pastoral landscapes of somewhere in Virginia, but you're, you're plugged into Georgia as always. Democrats think this could be the polarizing issue that changes everything in November. They really do. Um, They think that because they're hearing from a lot of people they say they don't usually hear from on this issue. Um, I think uh, if you talk to any women and girls in this state about abortion and changes to abortion law and Roe v. Wade, I think there was a general sense that it would never really change, that Roe Roe v. Wade would never really be overturned. Even when Georgia's heartbeat law was being debated, I think there was a sense within the legislature that it would probably eventually be held up in court. So the fact that this reality has now happened and it's happened only this week, I think it really resets the table for how some voters, not all voters, but some voters, especially women, how they're looking at the next election, how they're prioritizing their choices. I don't think anyone knows exactly what that looks like until we get much closer to Election Day. But Democrats certainly believe from their own internal polling and just anecdotally being around their communities that this changes things for a lot of voters. And Stacey Abrams, her campaign released a memo on Thursday that showed that more than 80 percent of Democrats are energized by the issue of abortion and abortion rights, and that a majority, a vast majority of Georgians are against the uh, the Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. So she's got some data that backs it up. And frankly, that's data that we've seen too in some of our previous polls at the AJC. We will have a poll out in the next week or so that sheds more light on all these issues as long as our schedule continues. Um, but right now we're relying on other polls and they're beginning to show something of the same similar dynamic. Look, they're all showing that economy and inflation and gas prices are the top issue, but abortion is, you know, the abortion rights, it's either two or three in a lot of these polls. 
Yeah, and I think also we don't know how implementation of this bill is going to look. And even Georgia leaders don't know how this is going to look. And when you get really deep into the weeds, I've been trying to reach out to leaders today to ask them really specific questions about this law. Um, Does it apply to victims of human trafficking? Is that defined as rape in the law? Is statutory rape covered as rape? There are a a number of sort of issues and situations that have really never been considered because this kind of law we've just never really dealt with. In that law, it also says that the woman's mental health cannot be considered even if she's suicidal. Um, That's not a consideration. So it's very possible that there are going to be some consequences and outcomes here that were not anticipated. And so I don't think we know entirely how people feel about this law until it's implemented. And it's it's just very possible that we don't know what that looks like because leaders I spoke with could not answer questions about some of the specifics that have obviously not been contemplated yet. Up until up until recently, Stacey Abrams has been has been targeting Democrats mostly, you know, saying that the outrage over the Supreme Court should energize Democrats who might feel disenchanted with Washington, who might feel disillusioned by President Biden's term in office so far. But Patricia, at a press conference the day that the anti-abortion law took effect, she kind of broadened her argument. She started talking about how moderates, how others, you know, who people who are concerned about the economy as well, should also be just as concerned about the abortion ruling. And in her words, she said, look, economies, you know, stock markets, the economy goes up and it goes down. But the law is the law. Yes. Well, of course, that's the that's the argument that she needs to make. I do think the economy is going to really stay front and center for a lot of voters for obvious reasons. It's just there that you it's just there every point of your life right now when you're paying bills, when you're filling up for gas, when you go to the grocery store, it's just sort of this low level hum of anxiety. However, the abortion bill is really big. The law is very, very significant. It really changes things, especially for doctors. We're hearing from doctors who don't know exactly what it means for them. They don't know exactly how they'll handle individual cases. Also, I think people, um, again, you just, the abortion law tends to come into play during people's least expected worst crises. And obviously people don't expect those things to happen, but then they do. And they're going to be faced with these people in their community are going to be faced with these. And then they're going to understand that Georgia has significantly tightened restrictions on abortion. Other states neighboring Georgia tighten restrictions. So going to another state to access abortion will be difficult. I talked to House leaders earlier today, and they said that um, something that would be probably anticipated in the future would be changes to access to medical abortions, meaning abortion pills through the mail, that might be tightened. There might be language to deal with district attorneys who say they won't implement it. Uh, The legislature could address that directly. So there are still some changes that could be made on the margins. But uh, Democrats, I think, really believe that they are, they're not celebrating this because obviously it is just a huge step backwards in their opinion for women's rights, women's basic rights. But they do see it galvanizing their voters. If their voters were sort of, I think I'm going to vote and I think I'm going to vote for Stacey Abrams, it's I'm voting for Democrats, I'm organizing for Democrats, I'm knocking on doors. I'm sending postcards. I've already talked to a lot of those activists who were sort of watching the election and now they are actively 
engaged in this next election feel very much that this is sort of an existential issue for women. And when you look at who voted against the bill in the Georgia legislature, there were a number of Republican women who voted against it. And I think that's an important data point to understand because this was not universally accepted or supported by Republicans. And many of the ones who did not support it were Republican women. You're right. Some of them voted against it. Some of them just abstained from the vote, uh, basically took a walk. As you mentioned earlier, Democrats aren't necessarily celebrating this, but they are anticipating electoral fallout. This is what Democratic State Senator Sheikh Rahman told me the other day. Quote, the reality is this is a gift for us. This will energize voters in ways we can't imagine. And now let's listen to Stacey Abrams in her own words about how she feels about this decision. It's a fact that in Georgia, forced pregnancy is now the law of the state. The draconian abortion ban signed into law by the current governor in 2019 makes it a crime to seek an abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. Georgia women will lose their right to choose before most even know they're pregnant because of the governor's callous decision to put his politics above women's health care needs. As your next governor, I intend to continue to defend a woman's right to choose and to protect the rights of all. What has been done with this law is an assault on our liberties, and we will fight back. An assault on our liberties, as Stacey Abrams described, that Republicans have a very different point of view. Uh, we saw a muted victory lap. They weren't, you know, ignoring the ruling, Patricia, but Governor Kemp said he was overjoyed. But Republicans would rather be talking about anything else but this decision because other factors, including Joe Biden's approval ratings, including the economic troubles, the instability, the, the concerns that folks have about pocketbook issues, they're all playing into GOP hands right now. Yes. And um, of course, they would rather talk about that. But then you shouldn't pass a bill you don't want to talk about. I mean, I think that's the reality. And they certainly uh, should stand up and defend it because they were very eager to stand up and out it when they passed it. Um, and to your point, uh, this is something that has been championed by far-right activists, by anti-abortion activists for decades. This was the moment they have all been waiting for. And so I think that they may be looking for more restrictions. And when you don't have to look too far to find uh, Georgia leaders and Georgia candidates who say they want even more restriction. And I think when you talk to Herschel Walker, you got a sense of what his where he is on this issue. But I think uh, it is just very clear that women are the majority of voters here in the state. And about 70% of Georgia women said they didn't want to see Roe v. Wade overturned. How that balances out, you know, you hear voters all the time say they have to choose between the lesser of two evils. You know, that may be the choice that some people are faced with here. They have concerns about the economy. They have concerns about these new restrictive abortion laws, not just for themselves, but for their daughters, uh, for their sons who could also being it in different ways. And it's, uh, it's an entirely new issue set for Georgians to be dealing with at the polls. And I think that is why covering this is so difficult. We don't know how the law is going to be implemented exactly. And we really don't know how voters are going to respond. Yeah, it's really hard to make any predictions about how this will all fall out, especially as, as more Georgians come to grips with this new law that, again, as you mentioned, you know, for the last 50 years, folks thought that Roe v. Wade was untouchable, and suddenly it's not. And suddenly there are restrictions that even some Republicans who voted on it privately thought would never be in place that are now suddenly in place. And you also alluded to Herschel Walker. He is trying to downplay the abortion ruling. I asked him directly up here in Alto. I'm at beautiful Jay Moore Farms. I just ate a German chocolate pie. It was delicious. Um, <laughs> where Herschel Walker 
just met with some agriculture industry folks and a few current and former state lawmakers, Terry Rogers, a former state legislator is up here, Butch Miller, the runner-up for Republican lieutenant governor seat, also one of the most powerful members of the Georgia State Senate. He's up here. And I asked Herschel Walker, I was, look, I was clear. They're up here to talk about agriculture. They're not up here to talk about abortion. I said, look, let's go off topic immediately. <laughs> let's talk about the anti-abortion law that just took effect. I asked him, do you think this will threaten Republican chances in November? Here's what he said. That is one of the major problems, and I think Greg is good. You brought it up because uh, you're going to bring up things that people are not concerned about, and that's what I said. People are concerned about the gas. They're concerned about food. They're not even talking about that. And that's not what I'm hearing about. So that's the, I don't want to get into hypotheticals. You know, I think that's what people want me to answer. But you think people things. aren't concerned about well, abortion? That, well, I didn't say that. The people here are concerned about gas, and I think they're concerned about groceries. They're concerned about the baby formula, which is something that's very serious right now, and they're concerned about crime. Patricia, that's the first time you've heard the audio. Um, what's your first impression? To me, he's trying to downplay abortion issues. He, he said that folks weren't concerned about it. And then when he clarified, he said people here, and we're talking about North Georgia. We're talking about a very Republican-leaning area of North Georgia. You know, the agriculture industry is what, what he came here to talk about. He said people here aren't concerned about that issue. Yeah, well, I'm sure they were not talking about that at Jaymore Farms. Again, these are um, groups that Herschel Walker is in front of that are conservative, that are invited. It is important that he's now starting to invite press. But again, these are very conservative audiences he's talking to. So I'm sure people did not go up to him and ask about abortion. That is not representative of the full state. And it's not representative even of these voters in the middle on this issue who are really wrestling with it. And I think that voters will be looking for more of an answer than that. I think also he has been uh, very explicit that he believes there should be no exceptions for any kind of abortion restriction, including rape or incest. He was asked about that. Would he vote for a federal abortion ban? And he really wouldn't commit to that. He said, well, that's not going to happen. That's that, Nobody's talking about that. Well, Democrats are most certainly talking about codifying the right to abortion. I would be surprised if Republicans in Washington didn't also look for a vote on something in the other direction if Republicans took control. And when you're talking about a 50-50 Senate, the swing between one or two votes is hugely important. And so exactly how Herschel Walker feels on abortion, specifically, what would he vote for specifically, that is important. And people are talking about that, even if they're not talking about it at uh, Daymore Farms. Um, so, but I think he's going to need to provide more answers on that. Absolutely. It does matter. And again, you know, it might not be the top issue, but it is a very, very important issue to so many voters. And uh, even some voters who say it's their economy is their, their top issue, there's abortions right up there. And look, we heard with our very own ears, Republican efforts to, you know, steer the conversation back towards the economy. And certainly Governor Kemp, he might be not doing that as blatantly <laughs> as, as we just heard, but even after he said how overjoyed he was about the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals ruling, he started amplifying news about a new program that would help hire more battery workers at a giant new SK battery plant in Northeast Georgia, right? He wants to talk about the economy right now, too. He's just a little bit more off the campaign trail for the time being. And look, he can afford to do that because at least he feels like he can because he's ahead in the polls and he might have a little bit more breathing room than Herschel Walker right now. And although Republicans aren't talking about it, Democrats are very vocally talking about it. And we heard that audio from Stacey Abrams. That was from a press conference that Democrats had 
immediately after that ruling came down. And it wasn't just Stacey Abrams. It was Secretary of State nominee B. Wynn. It was Lieutenant Governor nominee Charlie Bailey. And there were just a slew of Democratic officials and candidates behind them on that issue, ready to talk about that in front of the cameras. So Republicans are not looking to talk about it. Democrats absolutely are, and they will fill that vacuum for Republicans if Republicans don't come in and really, I think, start to vocally defend this law. And I think it's just a responsibility to specifically lay out what implementing this law is going to look like now that it's been enacted. That's a great point. Let's listen to Bede Wynn, Democratic nominee for Secretary of State, which doesn't have too much of a say in the abortion rights issues. But as she mentioned at a press conference, her job involves licensing nurses. Let's hear exactly what she said about the abortion ruling. We know this will result in the loss of more lives, of more black and brown women, of girls. And we have already seen what's happened in the state of Texas and other states who have implemented their abortion ban. Patricia will hear candidates for not just governor and Senate and Secretary of State, but candidates up and down the ballot on the Democratic side try to energize, mobilize voters again because they feel like this could reshape the race right now. Absolutely. And again, I think that this will be of a significant importance up and down the ballot. I I don't understand exactly how the Secretary of State's office is affected by this. Um, I'm sure Bwin could in great detail, so I'll have to call her and ask her. But I think especially for the attorney general's race, this issue is of automatically of monumental importance because it's the AG who defends this law and court defends its constitutionality or does not in the case of Jen Jordan, who's the Democratic nominee. Then I think those state House and Senate races will have suddenly become of instant importance to voters who are looking to be informed on this issue in a way that they have never looked up. Who is my state House member? Who is my state senator? Once you start to understand where all these decisions are being made now at the state level instead of the federal law, who is in those laws suddenly becomes of utmost importance. And so I've heard from readers really since the moment that the decision was leaked, I've been hearing from readers saying, literally, how do I doubt him a state lawmaker? Because <laughs> I want to, I want to contact them. So I think it's, um, it has really made, it has drawn a lot more attention to those down ballot races. It's going to draw more money to those down ballot races and it's going to draw a lot more competition and focus and I think people really looking at those races in a way they haven't in a long time. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. 
And we're back to the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the political insiders at the AJC and also two of the authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which we believe sets the stakes in the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join our community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts in your first month of unlimited digital access. It's just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. My wife always throws that slogan right back at me. You always know what's going on when I don't know what's going on in our kids' lives. <laughs> but, but, but right now in our kids' lives, we're getting very excited about my daughter starring in Beauty and the Beast on Friday. So by the time some of you hear this, you'll already have had her star turn. We've got family coming in from out of town. We're so excited. She knows every word of every song, even the one she's not involved in. And, and Patricia, even her younger sister has learned all the words and can like recite all the, the entire thing. So I don't know. They're a lot better at memorizing than me because I still have to read the spiels that I just <laughs> that I just said from a script. I am very impressed. None of that is happening in our household. <laughs> Absolutely none of it. Um, actually, I have, I'm in the car right now. I have, I have banished my children from the car. We're driving home. Um, I'm like, okay, we got to do the podcast right now. They're outside playing in a field. Oh, and no. um, I'm here doing the podcast, but we will, we will get ourselves organized and get, and get back to normal soon. But they've been away from home for three weeks because we've been out. Um, uh, me working away from home and them just goofing around and we're going to get our lives back on track pretty soon here, <laughs> but not for a while. Your husband Todd's going to kill me. Is, is that Bluestein still yabbering? We need to get back home. <laughs> so with that, we can segue to a very special new feature. No, it's not um, where are Patricia's kids or, or Greg's kids fighting. It is our listener mailbag. We've been doing this for a while on our Friday shows, but today we're trying something new. We, we have a brand new 24-hour Politically Georgia podcast hotline. It's staffed day in, day out by our terrific producer, Shane. Um, he stays up all night, basically, waiting for your calls. And I do. I'm so tired. He's so tired right now, waiting for all your calls. And it's great because we can hear directly from you your questions. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. 5297. And here's a few of the first calls that we have not heard yet. So we're hearing these for the first time. Hi, this is Josh. Question for you guys. Do you think that the split polling that we're seeing now is at least partly a result of maybe independent and Republican candidate uh, uh, voters that do not like Trump, but see Herschel Walker as the Trump candidate and Brian Kemp as an anti-Trump candidate? Well, Josh, that's a great question. Your voice sounds a little bit familiar. Patricia, you want to take a crack at it first? Uh, Josh, I think that's a great point. And I will, I do think there's probably some of that happening. I think that I don't think it's a huge majority because we know that Donald Trump is still very well liked by Republicans here in the state. So going up against Donald Trump isn't going to win over a lot of friends from Republicans. However, I think Brian Kemp's record and him just pushing his record again and again is what won the day with most Republican voters, especially the economy. However, the fact that 
he did go up against Donald Trump. Absolutely. And we know because we've spoken with these voters, it did win his support from some Republican voters who were not at all on board with Donald Trump anymore. And even a few, an important few Democrats, um, I think Herschel Walker cannot say the same thing. Yeah, Patricia, I think you're right. Josh, that was a great point. Thank you for listening, too. But no, I I, look, there's a definitive trend going on. We're not sure how big it will be in November, because as we keep on saying, it's hard to predict, especially in an election cycle like this. But we know in Georgia, we're one of the tightest political states in the nation. And so even small changes in voting behavior have big impacts. And in this case, we're seeing a split between Governor Kemp's support and Herschel Walker's support. And we're seeing a split between Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock is out polling Stacey Abrams, not just in public polls, but also in internal polls I've seen from Democrats and Republicans. And the same thing is happening with Governor Kemp out polling Herschel Walker. It, it might be because some Republican voters just can't stomach voting for uh, Herschel Walker because of his history of violent, erratic behavior, because of the exaggerations, the pattern of false statements. And it might be because they do want to rebuke Donald Trump because he had Donald Trump's endorsement. Now, he probably would have won without Donald Trump's endorsement. We will never know, but I have a strong feeling he would have. But look, the same thing is happening to a degree on the Democratic side. There are some Democrats, we're not sure how many, but there are some Democrats also who are signaling to us, and they've said so in interviews, and and, and it's showing up in the internal data and the public data of polls, who are voting for Brian Kemp. They might not like his stance on all the issues, but he has a record to run on, and, and there are some Democrats who agree with that record. Now, we know that these things tend to tighten closer to Election Day, and generally voters go back home. You know, it's, it's saying you go back home near election day. So Democrats could end up, you know, not splitting their ticket and Republicans could end up not splitting their ticket. But right now it's uh, it's a very unique dynamic that bears watching. Shane, do we have a, uh, a number two question? Here we go. Hi, Greg and Patricia. I am a devoted politically Georgia podcast listener, AJC reader, DeJoel. You guys are fantastic. Um, I wanted to leave a comment now that HB 481 is law and is going into effect. Maya probably did a great job of explaining this on today's special podcast, but I think the way that we are describing the new Georgia abortion law is very confusing because, as Maya said, uh, there six weeks is not mentioned in the law. Uh, abortions are now prohibited when embryonic or fetal cardiac cardiac activity is um, detected, that is six weeks gestational age, four weeks from conception, two weeks from this period. The Very, very few people know what gestational age is, and very few Georgians, and almost, I would guess, very, very few men know that when you say six weeks, you're not talking about six weeks from conception, you're talking about four weeks, two weeks from this period. Okay, well, first of all, thank you for being a devoted listener. We're crazy about that. We will send you a present in the mail. <laughs> we don't know what it is. Um, but to, uh, to get to the point of your question and comment, I agree. This is an incredibly 
confusing and difficult bill to even describe because the effects of it are very wide ranging and frankly, very confusing to the people who voted for it. I have to tell you that there are details uh, within this law that I think uh, were not really fully understood. Uh, One of those is what it means to be six weeks pregnant. Also, even the term six week abortion ban, that is really shorthand. It has never been six weeks. It is, um, to your point, when it, fetal cardiac activity is detected, that can be as soon as, to your point, five to eight weeks, which is much shorter in the daily life of a woman who wakes up one day, realizes she's missed a period, and goes into a doctor's office. Now, that is kind of the kind of uh, language and description you do not hear talked about on the floor of the State House and Senate. These are very male-dominated uh, legislatures. Uh, this kind of, you know, talk about a uterus and abortions and fallopian tubes. Jen Durden even said, I'm going to talk about these things, and I know it makes you guys uncomfortable, but that we're legislating right now. There's a known reality that this is um, obviously not just male-dominated, but dominated by people who are not doctors um, and are not women. And so uh, you have people who voted for this bill who were farmers, lawyers, engineers, not doctors, a number of the doctors, not all. Some of the doctors did vote for it. Some voted against it. But when you get into the details of this question, what does it really mean? And at the very basic question, how early is this for a woman? The reality is that most women will not know they're pregnant before this law affects them. I think you hit the nail on the head. The one thing I'd add is just one of our AJC colleagues, they wrote a story after the ruling talking about the confusion in the medical industry and in the among abortion clinics. And one of the uh, abortion providers, one of the officials with an abortion clinic said that they're already getting phone calls from women who recently had unprotected sex. They don't even know if they're pregnant yet, but they're already calling in because they're worried that they might need abortion services because they know that as the law is written, many women won't know um, they're pregnant when this ban kicks in. Um, Shane, do we have a third question or do we move on right now? Oh, let's take one more. Uh, I haven't had a time to screen, so we'll, uh, we're going to take this cold off the line. Oh, yo, um, uh, I got a message for Patricia Murphy. In this, do you, do you think secretary Paul Ruffelsberger, Ruffelstein, do you think that he has a shot Against Stacey Abrams. Thank you. <laughs> okay. We might be getting some prank calls. <laughs> so, Is that real? Patricia, would you like to take that one? I haven't heard that one. <laughs> Paul Rothenstein has no chance against Stacey Abrams. Paul Rothenstein? <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger's cousin, Paul, is running against uh, Stacey Abrams. And yes, I think he has a really good chance. Um, okay, that, that is enough of our, uh, of our the first of many, we hope, um, audio mailbags, because it sure beats hearing from Bradley Handwerker and others. Uh, as much as we love hearing, getting their emails, it's also more fun to hear, hear their voices. So um, the number is 770 810 Nine seven. That's seven seven zero eight one zero five two nine seven. Now it's our our other favorite segment. Who's up and who's down? And we can start with who's up. And I know it seems crass for people who are so such opponents of abortion restrictions, but the abortion, the anti-abortion advocates, you know, who've been working for this for years, for decades in some cases, who never thought 
that Roe v. Wade would be overturned, never thought they'd see a day where new restrictions were put in place in Georgia. You know, again, it was sort of a muted victory lap because they're worried about political consequences. But I heard from so many of them who said they were, as Governor Kemp said, overjoyed by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals ruling that let the Georgia anti-abortion law go forward. I think, um, you know what, I'm going to give the flip side, the who's up also for anti-abortion activists. This was the entire game. This was what they've been working for for more than 40 years. And uh, literally, I, I mean, not literally, emphatically, most people didn't think they would ever see this day come to pass. And it has come to pass. And so if you are an anti-abortion advocate, activist here in Georgia, you have won the day. Who's down? There is a double-edged sword here. I'll have to say who's down, it's Republicans, because this is a quixotic victory for Republicans who, again, want nothing more than talking about Biden, the economy, Biden, the economy, Biden and the economy. And now, as we heard with our own ears from Herschel Walker, when I asked him if this was a threat to Republicans, in a sense, he basically said, hey, folks aren't talking about this. They want to talk about the economy. So that's the GOP strategy. This is why this is such a precarious situation for Republicans here in Georgia is because they're worried that this will distract attention from the issues that they want to talk about. And it right now, you know, in certain quarters, you know, in conservative fundraisers and things like that, to conservative crowds, yeah, they'll talk about this. But to a broader audience, it's not what they want to be talking about. They want to be talking about, again, the economy. And my who's down is going to go to the 16 fake Republican Georgia electors who were told at the beginning of this week that they are now targets of Fannie Willis's special grand jury investigation. We didn't know exactly who who might be considered for charges who might be in trouble or who's just coming in to give information. And we now know that anybody who participated in that, as well as State Senator Brandon Beach, they've been notified that they were not coming in just to give information. They are now really in her sights. I think also it's a way uh, that they now have been put on notice that if they're going to cooperate with this investigation, probably now would be the time. So um, they were you know, all of these people's lives two years ago looked very, very different. And now they are lawyering up, looking at potential charges. It's a very serious situation. And if you're Burt Jones, the Republican nominee for lieutenant governor, you have to deal with it on the campaign trail as well. It's not just, you know, you're not just any activist. You are a candidate who could be the president of the state Senate if you win in a few months. Well, that is all for today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. And thank you also for the folks who listened to the special episode that we taped right after the 11th Circuit ruling, because we like to bring you all the the biggest breaking news and break it down for you as well, because there'll be plenty more to come. You can count on new episodes of this podcast to come out every Wednesday, every Friday. And whenever big news breaks, we'll, we'll pull out all the stops and do a special episode. We will see you next time on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. 
It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh